Welcome back, my friends, to the Human Up Podcast. At the time of this recording, I don't know what number episode or even the title, but I know what I'm going to talk about. So let's just get started and see what happens. <clears throat> what I'd like to discuss today is something that means everything to everybody. If we really got honest, what do we really want? Whatever it is we think we want. To put it simply, doesn't everybody just want to feel good? It's a simple, there couldn't be a simpler point, so it's almost deceiving. Like, how could the answer be so obvious? Yeah, of course. If I felt good, then everything else falls into place. But then here comes the question that we must ask. And the reason that this uh, could be another hour-plus podcast. <laughs> what does it mean to feel good? Of course, everyone wants to feel good. But the idea of what feeling good means is going to widely vary. <clears throat> you randomly pick people on the street and say, hey, what does it mean to feel good? You're going to get people to say, ah, you know, when you've got lots of energy. Or you're going to see somebody be like, when you're in love. And you're going to get somebody who says, when I've accomplished my goals, I feel really good. And you get somebody who says, like, after a workout, oh, I feel so good. And then you get somebody who say, when you're healthy. And you're going to get somebody who says, you know, when, when I help others, that makes me feel good. And there's going to be so many different answers to that question, right? But we want to really get to the essence of almost like the mechanics of good. And, and if you know me and you know my yoga teaching, for me to speak of anything uh, around the human being as mechanical is not my cup of tea. It's not what I like. To, I do not like to talk about anything, especially like in yoga. I'm trying to help people get away from mechanical thinking and therefore mechanical movement. We're so used to thinking in a mechanical way. So it may not be the best word in that sense, but if we say, how about this? How about the physics of it, which has a little bit more of a natural sound, like physics governs all of the cosmos and the natures and uh, nature, and it has built-in laws. So we can say the physics or even the nature of feeling good. I often use this uh, analogy when I'm speaking to my clients or to my classes, which is simply once we get the science, meaning the formulas, once we start to understand the laws of physics and nature and things, <laughs> you can count on them. So one of the examples I use is what happens when you put oil and water into a container and you shake it all up? What is going to happen 100% of the time? Well, the oil is going to rise to the top and the water is going to sink to the bottom. It's a matter of physics. It's density. The density of the two, they will separate. Even if they appear mixed up for some time, they will, by the laws of nature, separate. Okay, cool. That's a great, you know, uh, simple analogy that we can use for really everything. Uh, you know, you could say there's, a, there's an equilibrium to the universe and everything strives towards balance. You know, you might have heard that before. <clears throat> so 
even the movement of the air on the planet and, you know, cold fronts and warm fronts and, and, and the way that they move in a way, it's all balance. It's all attempting to balance, 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 balance. And we know that when we throw nature off of balance, that we can see the results and, and the results are really nature trying to come back to balance. And there's so many factors, you know, there's just the very basic of, of temperature, you know, cold or hot or, um, Pressure, you know, high pressure, low pressure, uh, you know, then there's, there's water, moisture, um, there's carbon dioxide and oxygen and nitrogen and all of these different things. And they're all, it's so beautiful because in a way, it's already all balanced, but the movement of the cosmos is like the movement of balancing happening. Okay. So we could, we could start to connect it to the theme there of feeling good. That's basically the theme of this. I want you to feel good, just like I want to feel good, but I want to get the, the laws of it. Once we, this was the, the analogy I was trying to bring up a, a while ago before I went on a bit of a tangent is that it, you know, if, if we think of the Chinese, we're, we're using rocket technology centuries even millennia ago, I don't know the exact you know time when the, when it appeared, but you know the the harnessing of explosions into fireworks and you know using gunpowder, if you will, to to create rockets and and shoot things. You know, you light it on fire, you harness that to some degree, it's going to go pew, right? And so you could say that that was kind of the birth of rocket technology. However, it wasn't until many years later that we're going to the moon you know, going into outer space and sending out satellites and all of that. When what's the difference between just making a rocket and letting it shoot, shoot off and do what it does. And then being able to, to predict exactly where and when that rocket, that satellite, that whatever it is, a telescope, um, that, you know, um, what is it called? The rover, the, the, the one that went to Mars, you know, that we can predict exactly when and where and how, and oh my God, rocket science. What is the, what is the difference there? The difference between, you know, when we were first just kind of doing basic versions of the rocket versus all the way to now, which was a, which was more of a, a basic version of the science. It's still science. It's just more of an elementary basic crude version of the science, but the refinement of the science that eventually led us to be able to go to the moon and, and everything else. And all, not to mention what we're doing right here on, on the planet with our technologies. What we're doing is refining the science. We're getting the laws inherent in nature. Okay. We are not making those laws up. It's like we're discovering them. I like to say that, for example, when Albert and Einstein, Albert and Einstein, both of them, <laughs> discovered, um, you know, the space-time continuum, he did not make it up. It's not like space and time were separate. And then Albert came along and Einstein and put them together. And then they were, then they were, they were a continuum. It was that a veil, if you will, in our thinking dropped to reveal the space-time continuum that was already there. We didn't put it there, in other words. This is very important to understand because we got to understand humans take way too much credit for what we accomplish. And we should take credit to a degree of, you know, in terms of um, 
diligently doing the research and figuring things out and then and then reworking things and standing on the shoulders of our predecessors' discoveries and breakthroughs to to build on that, to to go from the Wright brothers to the, you know, the Dreamliner and things like that. Like, it's amazing. It's so, it's so beautiful that we have the ability to do that. And I can't even begin to fathom how many little micro breakthroughs and discoveries is what they really are. Discoveries of the laws of nature that are then harnessed to whatever ends we perceive are needed. And usually uh, it's getting to where we're going faster, which is a largely funny enough and I didn't see this coming. That's largely what is uh, assailing our sense of feeling good. We don't know that because it's, we're so used to it. We're so used to, I got to get there. I got to get there. And that there may be literally a physical place. I got to get to the grocery store and back home before my kids get off the bus. Or uh, I have got to get a, uh, a Grammy. If I'm ever going to feel like a worthy musician in this world, I've got to get there. Or... I have got to get to where I have lost 40 pounds. I've got to get there. And there's all, as soon as we have a there that we're trying to get to, the idea is get there and get there as fast as possible. The most basic of this, and that's really the, the, the driving force behind all of our transportation. What is it trying to do? It's trying to get further, faster, more efficiently, with, with less pollution, less waste, less cost, more comfort, Right. Everything is what's driving all of that. What's really driving all, all of this. It, and it would almost be scandalous to call out that, that all of this is being driven by one simple thing that we don't feel good. I hope you can hear what I'm saying. And when I say good, I'm starting to move towards a, a capital G good. We got to remember that every single word has the meaning that we're, we throw around day to day. And then it has, and I call that the bastardized meaning of the word, the bastardized word versus the essence of it. Like it's, it's um, the, 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 the meaning, the true unbridled uninhibited meaning. So for example, love, love itself, Whoa. big, big L love versus the love that we're, we're so used to throwing around this word like, oh yeah, oh man, I love chocolate chip cookies or I love you so much you mean everything to me or <clears throat> I love the Dallas Cowboys or I love soccer or I love pizza or whatever, you know, like love, 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 love. We throw these words around and we don't realize how they're getting sort of anemic in, in, in terms of meaning. They, they sort of become cheap. And when people say talk is cheap, well, it doesn't have to be. It's just that we don't know how to talk other than in cheap. When words are cheap, talk is cheap. That's more of, of a confession than a, than a truth. It's a confession that, that we are so accustomed to vacuous speech, meaningless talk, um, you know, uh, an actual inability to follow through on our words and our speech. And, you know, so we're just used to talk is cheap, you know, but if we can pull away the cheap talk and see what's the actual meaning because nothing would have any meaning. Everything I'm saying right now would have zero meaning 
if it weren't for the technology that I'm using right now, which we can call English, but it's deeper than English because what I can say right now can be translated into any number of languages. How does that happen? When the words have no resemblance, a truly foreign language like Japanese, let's say, which I did take Japanese in, in, um, in my junior year in high school. It was a really cool language, but it's considered obviously a truly foreign language to English. So, and, and of course, vice versa, but we're able to translate. So if there weren't some kind of code, right? Like a hidden code of meaning that we can go, oh, this means that this word and this word, totally different sounds, letters, shapes, everything. They mean the same thing. Okay. So there you go. They, that means these two very apparently different words are tapping the same language. Believe it or not, I'm talking about feeling good. I'm not losing that thread, but I want you to get some of this principle of the science. Like, what does it mean to get the science? What does it mean to get the deeper meaning? Because we want to go to a, to a higher meaning of what it means to feel good. Right now, people in general, we don't think on this level that I'm, I'm calling out. We just use our languages, right? And then we might even learn how to speak another language, but and we, and we take it for granted. You know, we just get we we get a, a an app and it teaches us this word means that and that word means this and this one. Oh, great, 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 great! And we just we just um, you know switch the words, right? But what's happening behind the scenes there? How the heck did they figure out that these two words meant the same thing? Because there is a common ground, and that's language itself. I want to go deeper than language on the level of what language do you speak? Italian, French, German, Spanish, English, Japanese? That's the surface, right? That's the most surfacey. But then what's language itself? Language itself is a technology of consciousness. And there's there's a, a wonderful philosopher named Heidegger who had a book called Language is the House of Being. This is somewhat connected to my episode four, which is uh, the mind is your house. So there's a connection here. But we're talking about language right now. Language. What is language? The ability to, to, to narrate. The ability to make sense. And when we make sense, it feels good. And when we don't make sense, it doesn't feel good. But then he, this this going right for the jugular here, this is the main point about lowercase g good and uppercase g good, the higher meaning of good, what we're really after. <clears throat> when we are in a language space, so if your language is a technology, that means it's governed and run by a certain kind of code, just like our computers or any program that you use. Um, it's governed by a code, a code that that allows you to do so many things, right? So like ones and zeros allows us to do so much, right? But I keep seeing these movies and these commercials that are about artificial intelligence and how far can artificial intelligence go? Like you can make a computer go, I understand that that is funny, ha, 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 ha. But is it really experiencing laughter? Is it really experiencing humor, right? So ones and zeros gives us a lot of capabilities, but ones and zeros is never gonna get into feeling, right? It's not gonna be the kind of feeling. That's what we, a lot of what differentiates us uh, in our minds, in humans' minds from say a robot. It's because we've got feelings and feelings 
is what we're talking about right now. We want to know what, how to feel good. That's basically what we're, what we're after here right now is how we all want to feel good. So what does it mean to feel good and how do we feel good, right? But we're not robots. And yet, in a way, if you look at the, the, the underlying code of language and really understand it, and I'm not going to go way deep into that right now, but logicians have been this, and philosophers have been going into this for a long time. What are the laws of making sense? Because if you can have the law of making sense, just like having the laws of, of physics that allow us to create technology and rockets and so on, if you have the, uh, the ultimate version of that is if you have the law of sense itself, well, that's the ultimate, right? And that, that would feel really, really good <laughs> to, to not just be able to make sense to the limits of the code that you're using, but to be able to have unbridled capacity to make sense. And, and, and that's really what sanity is. When we say somebody is insane and somebody is sane, we are, we're not realizing that that, in a, in, a, in a sense, is all within a relatively insane space. There's a great uh, philosopher, he's no longer with us, his name's Krishnamurti, and he has a, a, a famous quote that you may have heard. Try to follow with me because it's one of my favorite quotes. It is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. I'll say it again. It is no measure of health, feeling good, to be able to force yourself to become accustomed to a society that's really messed up. And they've normalized it. So what that quote is doing is denormalizing our, our society, which normalizes. We, it's a kind of insanity. It's, and we see it now more than ever, guys. Just look around. <laughs> While people... I'm never coming from a pessimistic kind of negative space in that sense. I don't find I don't think that it's being negative to see negativity and to see what's actually going on because then you're just burying your head in the sand. You got to be able to to call it out and go, "Oh my god, there is so much not good." Yes. How do you feel good when there's so much not good? That said, people are really beautiful and people I believe that we are where we are right now precisely because of the good hearts of people and the good, the, the desire to love and be loved and, and keep peace as best we can. I really do see that as well. But I, I see us laboring under a not so great space, a not so great code of, of, of thinking and being. And, and so in other words, we don't feel good in a big sense. We're ill. Humanity is ill. Our coping strategy? Don't cope with it. Pretend everything's fine. Don't think about it. You know, I've had many friends over the years, you know, if, I've had, if I had a gripe with something or if I felt like something was really upsetting me about the world, what do I get? Ah, uh, you know, you can't think about that stuff. You know, you gotta, you gotta lighten up, man. You know, the world is messed up. You know, who said life was fair? You're only human. All of these things, think about it. What we're doing is normalizing the profoundly sick society instead of saying, whoa, 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 whoa. No, I am not going to be okay with this. 
Well, there's a lot of people who do that, but then what do they do? They try to make it better by looking at what's wrong with the world, and I'm going to go ahead and tackle this or tackle that. I'm going to tackle hunger. I'm going to tackle you know, climate change. I'm going to tackle nuclear weapons and blah, blah, blah. Or I'm going to tackle uh, gender discrimination or race discrimination. And all of those things are good in the sense of we need to make these things better. But if we don't realize what's causing them at the deepest level and how they're all connected, then it's sad because we, while we, we get a sense of progress in the short run, in the long run, there's really a feeling of just bailing ourselves out temporarily until something else goes wrong or all of our progress gets reversed or whatever. And we, I think because we don't know how to see on this deeper level that I'm calling you to, we are just kind of winging it. And we don't want to, for a second, consider what if all of my efforts and all of this progress is for nothing. We don't want to look at that possibility. And so we keep on and keeping on and keeping on and we grow weary, and, but we keep on, you know, and we try to make the world a better place. But there's this overall sense, guys, you know, you feel it and I feel it in a big picture sense. It feels like it's going down, like the whole ship is sinking, which is why I often speak of the Titanic. If you think of all of human culture as a as one big boat. And many different sections and many different ideologies and many different, you know, floors and, and castes and class systems and economic status and all that stuff. Just kind of think of all of humanity on this one big boat. The whole boat feels like it's going down. And something's wrong. We know it. Something doesn't feel right, feel good. But we don't know. We weren't taught how to zoom out enough to understand it because we're so used to seeing with this code that I keep referring to. It's like that, that, that whatever language you speak, all of the languages are using the same fundamental code, which has in it serious limitations that is blocking us from true sanity, true sense, true health, true good. We're laboring under the dominion of our own thinking and limits there of that keep us from getting to what we're trying to get to. And in fact, all of our efforts are driven by that same root code. So if that code is what's gotten us to this place of not feeling good, how is using that code to try and get better going to make us any better? What I'm saying is so basic, it might be hard to get. But if you're not feeling good and it's being caused by something and you're trying to feel better with that same something, don't you think you're just going to kind of get yourself deeper? The level at which humans are addressing the issues, whether it's personal, global, uh, it's, you know, <clears throat> health, or it's uh, any number of pathologies that we're facing. The level in which we're dealing with it is the, the visual, though this is kind of 
you know, I don't know how awesome this analogy is, but it just occurred to me the other day. Imagine I got a punching bag just right here next to me and it's getting up in my space and I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. I don't like this thing. It's like a monkey on my back. I want to get it away from me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to, you know, push it like that. That's the level. I don't like me push away. And then what happens every single time? Well, boom, we get hit back. Just physics. It's nothing personal. It's just physics. Try to translate that imagery uh, and that level of dealing with something in my space. I don't like it. Let me push it away. And it's going to come slamming right back. Physics, laws of nature. If we come to the level of feeling good, okay, and really, really ask, what is the essence of feeling good? Well, one person would say, well, it's being healthy, right? You gotta, you do, if you're healthy, then you're going to feel good. Anybody see any pitfalls in that? In other words, the logic that would spin off from there is if I want to feel good, which I do, established, I need to get healthy. Okay. If I'm going to get healthy, tell me what I have to do. Oh, okay. Well, give me the, give me the list. I need to make sure I get some exercise. I need to make sure that I eat a healthy diet without too much of this or too much of that. I need to make sure that I stay hydrated. I got to make sure I get enough rest. I got to have a mindfulness practice like yoga or meditation. And I've got to uh, stay away from drugs and alcohol and, and too many sweets or fats. And I've got to whatever. You get the idea, right? So now being happy is a matter of getting healthy, which is just a matter of you coercing your behavior to adhere to the rules. So if you follow these rules, you'll get healthy equals happy. What I'm suggesting, guys, is that whole model doesn't feel good. Remember the getting there that I was talking about? The getting there is all about, I don't feel good here. And it's very subtle sometimes. Sometimes you don't, you don't realize that you don't feel good. Here's the really big deal here, guys. By the time you're maybe not even a teen, you're already getting used to not feeling good. It's like kids have a little tiny window and I feel like it's shrinking. I have a son myself and I've really thought about this a lot, kind of uh, measuring his progress to what I can remember of my own childhood and growing up and all of this. And I do see uh, uh, an increased sense, and this is even st statistically supported by some studies, that kids are finding out more younger, getting are, are more anxiety-ridden and stressed out than ever. What's the science? What's the physics behind that? Well, there's, there's this little window that us parents try to keep a barrier, a sacred barrier, if you will, of protection for the innocence of children. And as parents, you really want to protect your, your innocent child because they just, they feel so good naturally. As long as they're protected, as long as they're honored, as long as they're treated with love and respect and cared for and, and shown that they're important and that their, their presence is meaningful here. And, you know, as long as you do your best as a parent to to nurture that and hold that, what are we holding off? 
<laughs> we know that we're holding off something. We're holding, and, and why are we so, so, you know, dead set on protecting our children? Because what are we really protecting? We're protecting something deeper than just bodies, right? We're protecting our our children's spirits, if you will, their 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 beings. We're protecting their feeling good. And they're feeling good, even though kids cry and they laugh and, you know, they got a, whole, a much colorful and wider range of emotion than most adults because they just haven't been shut down. They're just being natural. And they haven't learned how to suppress it and su suppress it rather. <laughs> that was a mixture of suppress and oppress. And that's a new word. It's called suppress. <clears throat> and as you get as you interface as you get older you're interfacing with more and more of the what the codes of the culture you start to get more exposed to things the loss of innocence becomes an ex a process of of exposure to what is it reality that makes us lose our innocence is it nature no actually nature is really beautiful and is innocent in and of itself so what else is going on here if it's not just nature there's something else well, that's when you start to talk about the code and the culture codes and the, the way the culture is. And it's all, of course, it's widely varied based on so many factors, your location, your, your, your nation, your race, um, you know, your gender, all of these different things. But it's all built into the code across the planet. And then as you're growing up, you're becoming exposed like radiation. <laughs> you're getting the radiation from your from your surrounding world, your most immediate family, friends, schoolmates, classmates, teachers, television, and the world at large. It's like one big interwoven field that does have divisions. You've got neighborhoods, right? Different neighborhoods and different cliques and different, you know, uh, affiliations, you know, that, that naturally lead to us and them and, you know, all of those boundaries and barriers that we're seeing play out in the world. But what is that doing to the, to the young human being who's just love by nature and needs love and wants love and validation? No child <laughs> is born evil. No human is born evil, if you will, or angry or, um, you know, ill-willed. It learns something. And depending on her or his particular makeup, their interface with the world is going to be different and their, the effects that that's going to have on them is going to be unique. And some people get well adjusted to the society as it is, which I'm suggesting is let's stop normalizing it like it's all hunky-dory and let's just get real and, and just call it out. It's messed up. And the way that we cope with it is by not or covering it up or distracting ourselves or look at the opiate crisis right now. Like really see the opiate crisis in the, the context that I'm bringing you right now. What is an opiate? It's a painkiller. It's taking away the pain. What pain are we trying to get rid of? Even if you are not addicted to opiates, see that the whole culture is in pain. And when any number of people have a certain symptom, it's not just them over there, but it's us. It's all of us. Like think of just like every cell in your body makes up your body. 
comprises your body and that's all in communication. Your whole body is, is, is a community. Well, think of the whole of humanity as a larger human body and we're each a cell. But we're all interconnected. You know, if one if one area gets cancer, the whole body is obviously going to have to deal with this. You know, that's the beauty of nature. That's the ecology of of <clears throat> and the code of nature. It's all interconnected and it understands this trying to come to equilibrium. If something gets out of balance, we got to balance it. So what we're seeing right now in humanity is a whole bunch of imbalance, but we're not seeing what's causing the imbalance. We're seeing, wow, we don't feel good. <laughs> I mean, and I'm laughing, but it's, I'm laughing at the, at the obviousness of it and the, and yet somehow it needs to be said. We don't feel good. I just saw a little side note here. I just saw a video on YouTube. No, Facebook. And it was some dude's, you know, yoga practice for getting, you know, buffed, basically. Get buffed in 20 minutes a day, right? And <clears throat> in the name of yoga, completely unaware of what that, how that's coming across and what that's serving, which is serving, uh, again, a lot of what's making us not feel good, which is if you're going to feel good, you got to look attractive. If you're going to get the attractive, you got to be able to design the body you want. If you need the body you want, you're going to want to get it. You're, you're going to have to get this exercise that I'm giving you and it's going, and I'm calling it yoga, which is, is already so un yoga. It's not even funny. And I'm, and, and you're going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use the word yoga to sell it. I'm going to use my body to sell it. I'm serving a, a cause that is, that is reinforcing the sense of, of, of not feeling good until I get my, until my body looks like yours, which all I have to do is 20 minutes a day for however long. And then I'll be happy guys. I am, I am riled up about this because it's not about this dude who completely doesn't understand what he's what he's feeding in the culture. He's a total slave to the to the mindset of the culture. That doesn't feel good. And what he's doing is glorifying in the name of yoga, the most unyogic state of our human be being right now, in the name of being healthy and happy and good, feeling good. So what I'm saying is if you were to do that exercise, let's say this is just one of countless examples, guys, it's just the most fresh in my mind and riles me up because I feel the word yoga is being really misused and I have a passion about that, but it's just one example of how we are abusing the words, how we're how we're selling, we're selling based on the fact that people don't feel good with solutions that are part of the problem that's not making, that's not allowing us to feel good. It's the getting there syndrome. I got, if I, once I get there, then I'll feel good, which isn't yoga. And this is happening everywhere, largely, and also in uh, things like, oh, well, you, but yoga is good for you and, and, and mindfulness is good for you. It's like, yes, yes, yes. But which scale, which you're, that's relative to what you're used to. 
So let's say like if you're if you're used to eating a very unhealthy diet and you switch to a much healthier diet, that's good. Yes, relative to where you were, you're making an improvement. I applaud you. What I'm asking though for you to do right now is to zoom out even more and to understand that you can go from not feeling so great to feeling better within the big space of I don't feel good. So you're feeling, you're feeling going from less good to more good in the I don't feel good space. This is huge what I'm saying to you right now. If you can get what I'm saying, it's not a put down of what anybody's doing or what you're doing. This is exciting because it means, oh my God, we could have spent the rest of our lives barking up this, this tree that was actually not getting us to what we were actually trying to get to, which is the, the actual feeling good. So what I'm suggesting is that none of us feel good, really. And we're all in this in this kind of like unspoken, unconscious conspiracy in which we're all upholding this farce of getting better in the name of getting better when we're actually getting worse. And you need to be able to zoom out enough to see that, that the good that we're really after is so good that in a way we don't even know that it's an option. What we know is what we know. We know a certain scale of, I, I've felt really, really awful, like when I'm sick or when I'm hungover or whatever. And I know when I feel really good, when I'm, when I'm healthy and I'm eating right and I'm sleeping and, and, and all that, right? We've got this whole scale. So naturally, the, 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 the goal is to try to avoid slipping down the scale and try to get up as high on the scale. And then if you're doing it, if you can maintain that based on what your culture told you. Or if it's not about health, it's about, I know that I don't feel good about myself when I'm not accomplishing my goals. And so I'm going to learn, I'm going to get a life coach and, and she's going to teach me how to accomplish my goals so I can get from feeling bad to feeling good in the I don't feel good space. Now, that last part of it is what I'm saying. I'm calling out, yeah, you can go from here to here. Yeah, but you still don't feel good. And this is precarious. Once you get here, like any form of success or monetary financial gain or health regimen or kicking an addiction or whatever it might be, it runs with the anxiety and tension of maintaining this pseudo good. And the reason that we're able to uphold this is because everyone's in cahoots. That's what I mean by the, this, the unconscious conspir conspiracy that we're all upholding together by playing along. I'm here to blow the whistle on the whole enchilada. I'm here to ask you to take a moment and hit pause and bring it all into question from a higher perspective, from a more zoomed out perspective that allows you to see, oh my God, that whole thing. It's like on the Titanic. Yeah, there's the lower floors. Nobody wants to have those ca ca cabins or, or whatever you call them. I, I want to get up to the top, but you're still on the Titanic and that that thing's going down. It already hit the iceberg. It's filling. You know, it's sinking. In a way, it's already on the ocean floor, but shh. Guys, I'm talking about something so exciting. So what is the essence of feeling good? Well, this is where the word good and well, well-being. Let me say, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. 
well-being. People think that well-being is a matter of your health. What I'm going to do is flip that on on its head right now. This is huge. Your health is a product of your well-being. I'm letting that ring out because it deserves it. And you need to really hear how huge that is. Your sense of well-being, which is the feeling good that I'm speaking to, is not a product of getting healthy. Getting healthy is a matter of finding your well-being. Period. Feeling good about yourself is not what you need to do in order to get to well-being, but well-being is what you come to in order to feel good about yourself. Otherwise, you, I'm going to put it as bluntly as possible because there's no time to waste, there's no time to mince words, there's no time to pussyfoot. We are wasting our time if we don't get this. We are wasting our time. We are wasting our energy and our resources. And we're getting nowhere faster and faster and faster and more efficiently. (laughs) Now look at technology as a facilitation. It's not the problem. Technology is not the problem. It's facilitating our disease. It's facilitating our moving faster. So with convenience, we get to get there on steroids. It's like we're, we're now we're getting there faster on steroids, <laughs> so to speak. You know, right now we're, we're uh, instant gratification on steroids. It's, it's insatiability on steroids. It's trying to get there on steroids. It's not feeling good on steroids. And the reason it's a conspiracy, not a not a normal conspiracy where it's like a conspiracy theory or where there's you know people with a with a common conspiracy is to to breathe together, to to um collude <laughs> in, in in a common in a common goal, a mutual interest common goal. And that's, that's not the kind, it's more of an unconscious consenting, let's say, as opposed to conspiracy. It's a consenting to illness and not feeling good, not well-being in the name of feeling good. Okay. 1776, our inalienable human rights, life, liberty, freedom, happiness, well-being, all of those are aspects of well-being. So we have to ask, if if well-being is what it means to feel good, we have to ask ourselves, what does that really mean? Well, you're not going to be able to piece it together with a 20-minute workout, even if you call it a yoga workout. You're not going to be able to piece it together with all of the right components. If you're in the mindset of I, what I'm going to do in order to get to well-being is I'm going to have a list, an exhaustive list, and make sure I check everything off the list. Guys, it's not going to get you to well-being. This is good news. 
<laughs> if you can really hear what I'm saying, because honestly, that list is stressful. <laughs> it's a very stressful list, <laughs> you know, and there's so many do's and don'ts. And if you're anything like me, you're going to be like, Ugh. You, know, I, you might be able to stick to that list for a minute or for a, for a while, but eventually you're going to be like, you're going to crumple that thing up and you're going to go on a bender, so to speak. In one way, shape, or form, because remember that punching bag, we're just pushing, man. We're just pushing against the behavior. We're, we're trying to address it. Just like if you have a rash on your body, I may have used this analogy in previous podcasts. If you have a rash on your body, a rash on your skin, all you got to do is go to the doctor, say, I don't like this rash. And they say, oh, well, I've got just the thing. Here's an ointment. And you put the ointment on and the rash goes away or you take a pill or whatever. It goes away. Like, oh, there, that was easy. Did we solve the problem? What's, what's going on underneath the surface that's actually appearing as a rash? Please, please hear this. The problems of your life are rashes. Do you know what's generating it? Because if you're just going to go and say, I'm not flexible and I want to get flexible. And so I'm going to apply yoga onto my non-flexible body. And look, I'm flexible. Good. That worked. In the name of yoga. Sorry, that really gets my goose. Uh, that's what we're doing across the board, guys. It's a level of thinking where we're pushing against the punching bag. We're pushing against the, the problem and, and, and trying to – it's band-aids. It's cover-ups. It's patchwork. It's not getting us to the real issue. So what we're doing is leveraging moments of feeling better than we were, right? So if – I was not eating healthy and then I started eating healthy and I feel so much better now. Then we think, therefore, I've done it and I've found happiness. I found the answer. And then you notice how we always got to go and we got to make other people get it. You know, like, oh, you've got to stop. Oh, I'm telling you, you got to stop eating gluten. Or I'm telling you, you got to start doing this. Or you got to, you know, we're trying to shore up our stories. We're trying to shore up our own remedies because honestly, deep down, we know it's not the real deal. We know it. We know it. And it haunts us. And, and, and I'm, I'm opting out of the conspiracy by speaking up and saying it at great risk that she might not lock, <laughs> might not like me very much. You might not like what I'm saying. It might make you feel like, uh, like you're, you should have gotten it already or, or what you're doing isn't valuable or whatever things just, just notice if that's coming up for you right now, just notice it and smile because it's exactly what, what needs to happen. We all, cause there's nothing, if it, if it was really, if it was really legitimate and solid, then would you feel threatened by what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is if you, if you have that reaction, let it happen because it's, it's working. This is medicine right now. It's medicine because I'm getting down to the real deal with you and I'm helping you. And if nothing else, just giving you an opportunity to think outside of that, that, that confining space that we don't even know is there. That's really the cause for us not feeling good. So if everything, it, you know, th this relationship isn't working and it doesn't feel good. It's being caused by this, um, you know, my diet, I, I'm, I'm, or I'm addicted to alcohol and I, I can't stop and it doesn't feel good. It's being caused by this. But if you don't know that this is here, you're going to be like, let's go to relationship therapy and work this out with a therapist who's also laboring under the same codes that are causing the problem. 
looking at the symptom level. Let's let's go to the therapist and she'll she'll give us a ro- uh, an ointment for our our relationship rash, <laughs> which sounds terrible. But <laughs> you get what I'm saying, you know? Oh, alcohol addiction. I'm gonna go and and, and I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna stop the drinking. I'm gonna push against that punching bag. I'm gonna stop the drinking. The drinking is the bad part. It's being caused by this thing back here that you can't see. And so what I'm saying to you guys, zoom out here and go, oh my God, hallelujah. I just found the culprit. I just found the culprit for what was making me not feel good now, right now. And even though I was, even though I got to where I felt better and I feel good, oh, I feel pretty good. Are you brave enough to zoom out and fess up? I actually, in the deepest sense, I still don't feel good. That's a scary thing to do, but it is a brave and liberating thing to do because you're getting real. And the truth shall set you free. The truth isn't information. The truth is awareness itself, reality, as it is, without the filters, without the distortions of our lens, without the, without all of the conditioning, without, I'm, I'm asking you to let go. And, and yet that's, we're, we're accustomed to that space. You know, we're well adjusted, as Krishnamurti said, we're well adjusted to a sick lens, a space that doesn't feel good. If you're well adjusted to a space that doesn't feel good, that doesn't mean you're healthy. <laughs> it means you're adjusted to your lack of health. And the word health, by the way, comes from the word heal, which comes from the word whole, wholeness. That's where yoga comes in. Yoga is union, right? Where does that happen? Does that happen when you go and you get an exhaustive list of, a, you know, a checklist of everything you need to do and you make sure you do it all? There, it's holistic. No, that's not W-H-O-L, holistic. That's H-O-L-E, holistic. It's got lots of holes <laughs> because it's not integral. Integral doesn't mean you have an exhaustive list. Integral is something deeper. Integral is which is wholeness, which is wellness, which is well-being, which is yoga, which is bliss, which is feeling really good, is not something you can synthesize and put together like Legos, right? But that's exactly how we think. We're so addicted to that level of thinking that we don't know that there's a higher level of thinking, a higher level of knowing. And it's just like you can be handicapped. You've got all these abilities. You can walk. You can talk. You can, you can see. You can taste and touch and smell and all these, all these things. And if something, if any of those abilities get, gets robbed from us, we call it a handicap. Well, imagine to be and to feel good and to be sane, <laughs> in capital S, sane, not saner <laughs> or less insane, but sane, whole, well-being. Happiness is, is our most fundamental God-given right. And it's an ability that we've been disabled from just by being born into this, whatever variation of the society and culture that you are, whatever language, culture, color, creed, religion, whatever. It's all, we all get the same thing. We come into this world, we get the code, the, think of it like a virus. You know, your computer can get infected with a virus and it wreaks havoc. Okay, we got a virus and we slowly absorbed it. And it started to metastasize like a, like a cancer. It started to grow. And, and it became so, 
so all-encompassing and it's so normal and it's all around us that we don't even know that it's there. This is connected to the zombie uh, theme that I explored a few episodes back. We don't call ourselves zombies anymore. (laughs) We don't think that we have this cancer. We don't realize that there's a virus. We don't know that we don't feel good. So when we talk about the pursuit of happiness, this is the only, this is the only, uh, dare I say, uh, edit that I would make to, <laughs> to the constitution of the United States, 1776, that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit is the key word there because that's the pursuit of happiness gives away something really huge. It's saying we all know that we're not happy. Of course, we don't, we're not realizing this consciously when we say it. We think that happiness is, to, is the freedom to pursue it means exactly what I'm saying. Get there. Well, if it's, a, if it's a there that you're trying to get to, if a happiness is a there, then it's not a here. <laughs> this is so, so in our faces, guys. It's not the pursuit of happiness, but happiness itself is our right to feel good really good but if as long as you're operating from i've got to get it i've got to synthesize it i've got to put it together i've got to attain it you've already lost it and success in our culture is this idea that i was able through sheer grit and stick and ambition and drive i was able to pursue happiness and i got it did you? That person that did that is not going to want to let go that they did that and say, maybe I didn't. Maybe this isn't the real deal. Those of you who feel like a failure in this world because you couldn't find that partner or you couldn't manifest your dreams or you never became a success story or you never became famous, I am here to say that you are the lucky ones. I am happy for you and you should be happy for you too, because it means you weren't able to coerce the society in your favor and establish yourself as successful in the, I don't feel good space. Now look at midlife crises, that whole, you know, the midlife crisis. What is that? That's the, the unsustainability of that whole model of success. How many people who are successful think they want to admit that they're actually in a I don't feel good space and that they are actually deeply anxiety ridden and they don't feel safe and they don't feel secure and they don't feel confident, but it's, it's, uh, it's upheld by all the things they've attained in a society that celebrates these things. Fame is a great example. I'm famous. I must be happy because <laughs> look what I'm doing. Everybody loves it equals I'm lovable equals I'm happy. I did it. When you've got to that place, you've got the most work to do. You've got the biggest, you're, you got to be the bravest soul of all to go, this is a load of hooey. <laughs> how, how many people are going to do that when they've worked so hard to get there? <laughs> Not very many. 
Not very many. What I'm saying, though, is equal opportunity. Everybody, no matter if you were successful in that field, if you weren't successful in that field, if you're, you know, whatever your upbringing, whatever your gender, whatever your sexual orientation, whatever your gender affiliation, whatever your, however you see yourself, whatever status, whatever, uh, you know, economic realm that you came into, you know, equal opportunity here, guys, equal opportunity to feel bad or to feel good, <laughs> right? This is so exciting. This is really, really exciting. So in other words, your health, your feeling good is way closer than anyone ever told you. And the only thing that keeps you from it is trying to get it. The pursuit of happiness is keeping you from happiness. It's that simple. It's really that simple. But you can't stop it if you can't see it. So what happens is, and this is very important, we think that we're free. Ready? Life, liberty, happiness. Liberty, freedom, choice. We think we're making choices. In the, I'm going to just put it bluntly, in the slave space, in the normalized space of slavery on the level of our, our beings, the freedom to be. Is it freedom to be if you are being robbed of your sense of self-worth right here and now by the code that we're using? And then you go, I'm free to choose the life that I want. Is that freedom if it's being driven by something so deep that you can't unchoose? If you think you're free to get happiness... You've already confessed your, your state of slavery. Who's doing it? Is it the Illuminati? It's the government. Is it the chemtrails in the sky? Is it? No. Stop pointing out there. Stop pointing out there. It's not, a, it's not an external oppressor. There are external oppressors, but they're symptomatic of this thing. The internal oppressor in everybody. Guys, what I'm saying is huge. <laughs> and it's, if you can hear me, it's the best news you'll ever hear in your life, which it means that you don't have to, it doesn't matter who you vote into office. It doesn't matter who's the president of the United States. It doesn't matter, you know, if there's a wall or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, all of the things that we're so focused on, it's the, this is so exciting because what I'm saying is your freedom is not contingent upon these external circumstances anymore because the internal oppressor is in all of us. If we can see it, then we can free it. Free us. So all of our actions, they, our, our bodies, this is where our bodies comes in. This, our bodies are the ultimate bullshit detector. Okay. You know, we talk about gut feelings or this doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. I don't know. I, I got a weird feeling from him or, uh, you know, what, are, what are we really honoring in that moment? There's, there's something built into nature that is a bullshit detector, uh, a safety detector. It's, it knows, you know, it's like, you could say that all of nature speaks the language of love, right? When something's unloving, we detest it. Why? Because it's not, doesn't make sense. 
It doesn't make sense. So I want you to think of sense not just as like on the level we usually think of two plus two equals four. That makes sense. No, sense itself is the is the underlying, like the feeling of balance. If you've ever just stood and you try this, you can try this right now if you want. You can do it seated too, but it's easier to feel when you're standing on your two feet and you bring your two feet together so that your feet are united as one and lined up so that you know you've are you got a nice solid base there. And then I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. And again, you can do this seated. And I want you to notice that you're not frozen. And you can feel all of these little swaying motions. It's like... It almost seems just completely random. Your body's just in a continual adjustment. And the reason it's important to observe that you're not frozen like a statue, but that you're in a kind of continuous organic state of, of readjustment. It's like you're, you're in a, a perpetual update to balance now, balance now, balance now, balance now. It's always changing, right? And it needs to be because if a gust of wind suddenly comes in from the right and you're fixed to the certain sense of balance, it it's going to knock you over. You got to adjust to it, right? You got to have the response. So think of it like that. That's sense. That's that's just sense in its purest, purest sense. Like you just there's nothing <laughs> complicated about it. There's nothing in a way that's this is the capital G good that I'm talking about. It's not we think of good or bliss as a feeling of euphoria or like pleasure or um you know something that tastes good or you know I'm in love. Oh, I feel so good, you know, that kind of thing. And it almost is leveraged off of contrast. Like if you have been outside in the freezing and you come inside and it's warm, you're like, "Oh god, that feels so good." Right? Contrast. It's like uh, it, it's it's a feeling it's a lowercase g good which is not bad it's just it's just not the good that i'm talking about the good i'm talking about is an unassailable sense of balance and peace unassailable is the key word here guys because otherwise if it's if it's assailable which means you can it can be thrown off it means you can be thrown off your center it's not the real good this is the measure Right, because if we're you're like, wow, I feel so good. I just came off of this meditation retreat, and oh my god, I just feel so like I've never felt so connected, and I just feel like so much love. I'm so enlightened. And then somebody flips you off while you're driving, and you go like, I felt so good, and now I'm just pissed off. You know what I mean? How good were you really feeling? If it was that assailable, if it was that easy to throw you off. I'm talking about unassailable bliss, peace. Where is that immunity? Where do we gain that immunity? Well, that is what I call activision. I've called it that before. Activision as opposed to activism. Activism is what? I have a rash. I'm going to take this ointment. I put it on the rash, make it go away. I'm going to push on that punching bag. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw water on that fire. I'm going to, I'm going to squelch the symptoms, right? That's activism. Activision. This is where it really gets good, guys. This is where it comes down to like just the pure science of it and the true power that we have to liberate ourselves on the inside. <coughs> Excuse me. From the oppressor, the internal oppressor. 
So if we realize that un, under that, that, that hidden code that's running in the background, the virus, if you will, that keeps us enslaved to trying to get there, trying to the pursuit of happiness. So, so we're pursuing happiness or we're, we're throwing in the towel and giving up and we're feeling like a failure or we're medicating ourselves to death with opiates or alcohol or whatever else. But one way or another, we're all under that, under the oppressor, the slave driver, we'll call it, that's saying, pursue happiness, pursue happiness because, because, that's right, because you're not happy, you're not happy, you're not happy, you're not happy, boom, you're not there yet, you're not there yet. Really? Hear me. This is going on for all of us. So the point when you get there and you've attained everything, the midlife crisis moment when you go, I'm still not happy. What's wrong with this picture? It's physics, guys. It's nothing personal. <laughs> it's just, what did you expect? If we didn't, if we were nurtured by our parents in our school to say, I want you kids to know that you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. However, please take a moment to step back and check in first with your state of being. How's your state of being now? Because if you do, if your state of being now is not well, then any path you take, kids, you're going to become more entrenched in that sense of not feeling good. Conversely, if you start by feeling good and understanding how to feel good and what's keeping us from feeling good, then whatever you do will flow from that place and you'll be more effective in life and you'll be more successful than you could have ever have been under the slave driver. All right, kids, class dismissed. No, we didn't get anything like that because the whole system is running on the same hidden oppressor teachers, our education system, the governments that inform them, the, the, the research that informs it, the, the, uh, you know, just everything guys, everything, everything, everything is, is, is just, it's almost like the fuel behind what keeps society going is, is anxiety. And I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not happy. It's the pursuit of happiness. I don't know. I don't know how that word snuck in there, but the pursuit of happiness the real pursuit of happiness is what I'm asking you to join me on, which is let's science the shit out of this. If you ever seen the movie, the Martian, you know, where Matt Damon is on Mars and he's got a, he's got a, he doesn't know if, if he's going to get home, but man, he's not going to give up. And he's like, if I'm going to, to do this, I'm going to have to survive. I'm going to have to grow my own food. I'm going to have, who knows how long it's going to take for anyone to get here. If ever, I'm going to have to science the shit out of this. That's just one of my favorite lines in any movie ever. And I use it all the time. So guys, I'm asking you the real pursuit of happiness is to science the shit out of it. And that's what we're doing right now. It's not science in the sense of calculations on a pad, on a formula and, 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 and biology and biochemistry and this and that and the other. No, 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 no. Deeper than that. The science that makes that science even work. Logic, the science of sense, the science of, of, and it's not fancy. That's the beautiful thing. It's not fancy. It's like what I'm doing right now. If you are on the pursuit of happiness, does that not imply that you don't feel happy now? What's the driving force behind the pursuit of happiness? So that's not complicated what I'm saying, but that's science. In other words, it's sense. It's, it's reason in the most just simple and basic ways that we never have permission to stop long enough to stop our slave driven, you know, breakneck speeds at which we we move and this is what i keep trying to get to is is our movements under under that slave driving 
impetus. Our movements are are nervous. Our movements are stressed. They're jerky. They're abrupt. Look at the way society flows. Look at traffic. Um, and, and most of all, just look at your body and how you feel. Like start to study your body. And this is where you get start to gain the agency to understand your body, which is nature. It's not operating under this code, uh, this virus. Nature is going to always tell you. Back to the idea of the bullshit detector. Your body is the, the bullshit detector in a way. Where we go wrong really is when we stop feeling the nudgings of our body when it's saying, I don't like this. How many times do you think you have overridden the feedback, the biofeedback, if you will, of this doesn't feel right? Whether it was when you, perhaps when you had sex with somebody and it just, you, you felt like you had to do it. But you know, again, like see, this one level is saying, well, you have to because you don't want to be this or that or the other. So you may as well. And, and your body's saying, no, no, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like this feeling. Men or women. I know it happens a lot to women, probably a lot more than it does to men, but maybe not. I know it's happened to me countless times. <clears throat> and, and, and it's just a, it's a first example that comes to mind of where you override a feeling of uh, uh, that's inside you. This doesn't feel sacred. This doesn't feel right. This just doesn't feel authentic, right? But we have the capacity to go quiet. You. Another perfect example is in yoga. I'm, I'm doing this pose, and this pose is like I can't wait till the teacher takes me out of this pose. But I'm gonna do it, and the body's going. This doesn't feel authentic. And you're going, shut up, <laughs> shut up, and do your pose. <laughs> <laughs> Let me use you, body. You don't get a say in this. You're mine. You know? There's so many examples of how we just override, override, override. How much how much of the, you know, the people we look at who are the the corrupt, the corruptness of the government and the people who wield all the money. How many of them, I'm not saying they all are corrupt, but how many of them have had countless moments where their their internal barometer of goodness, you know, they're their, their, their bullshit detector was saying, this is not the right move. What you're doing right now is for your own interests. And it's, it's actually a lot of people are going to feel the pain from you advancing yourself. And you go, well, but I can get away with it. And all the, look at all these other guys. They're, they're, all, they're all successful and happy. And, and besides, it's too good. And besides, no one's going to blow the whistle on me. I'll do it. And we override, and that's, I'm just trying to give you a few examples. That level of feeling is always there. In other words, the bullshit detector doesn't take a rest. Nature doesn't take a rest in that sense. <clears throat> Even when you're resting, heart's still beating, right? So in a way, we are always feeling if we can get in touch with it, we are always feeling how, how in alignment am I with nature, with love, with goodness. And in order to cope with it, if the whole thing, if everybody is in this game that is inherently not good, <laughs> it's inherently dissociating us from nature and the flow and sense and sanity and our logic is, well, everybody else is doing it, so I guess I can't beat them, join them. If that's the lo level of logic, then you're consenting to the slavery of not feeling good, ironically, in the name of trying to feel good. Wow. 
And so when we are brave enough to stop and go, wow, this doesn't feel good, you know, start to get in touch with that because it's happening all the time, what we get used to it. So the way that I'll just give you my own personal example, I've really noticed on much deeper levels, the level of nervousness that I feel all the time. I didn't know I was nervous. And I don't think most people would say, yeah, nothing. He's a real nervous Nelly, right? <laughs> but maybe you do, <laughs> but I don't think of myself in that way. And I don't think anyone else does. But as I've gotten more in touch with precisely what I'm telling you, I've noticed, oh my God, I got, I got like this normal nervousness always there. It's like, mm. and what does it do? It makes me reactive. It makes me more prone to reactive responses to things. And we all know that reaction makes things <laughs> worse. Reaction is like a runaway freight train of, of, it's like a, a pathology or uh, any kind of d disease. I'm trying to think of a good example here. It's like when we are incapable of preempting reactionary response, which is really kind of a fight or flight thing. If we are, if we've got no agency, which means choice to opt out of the fight or flight response, then again, I, my point stands, we are enslaved but not to an external oppressor, but to a code that has us always on edge. It has us dissociated from feeling good, so we don't feel good. That's feeling on edge. Call it anxiety, call it depression, call it nervousness, call it um, malaise, general malaise, whatever you wanna call it. It's, it's being caused by the same deep thing. So in other words, that's what I'm saying. You can normalize that. You can get used to that. That's the crisis is that we get used to that. So we don't even know that anything's wrong and we can actually think that we're happy and we can actually think that we feel good, but we, that's because we can't zoom out far enough to see that our life's a freaking roller coaster. And then we just go, if we do see the roller coaster, we just say, well, you know, ups come with the downs. That's life. Who said life was fair? You're only human. All of these Slogans that keep us consenting to the slavery. All of these slogans that keep us going, yeah, I guess this is normal. You know, Imagine everybody walking with chains around their ankles and walking in single file. And they've just done it for so long that they're just like, oh, you know, I mean, you can't, you, you, you just can't really be upset about the chains. You know, it's, it's life. It's just how things, you know, you just can't go there. You can't, you can't ask why, you know, why do we have chains around our legs? You just, you know, it's just part of life. <laughs> you know that guy <laughs> you know that guy just as well as i do and we all have that guy <laughs> that voice that that uh normalizer i'll call call him the normalizer <laughs> who, who, who makes you feel better about your situation <laughs> makes you feel better about being a slave um and I really hope you don't mind me using the word slave because I know that there, there, there are numbers of people through time that have literally be, been enslaved in a very literal way. But what I'm saying is even if you don't have literal chains around your ankles and literal person that's telling you what to do, there is a deeper form of slavery that I'm calling out right now. And I, I hope you can be happy that somebody is because if somebody doesn't, then we continue on in a normalized state of slavery. And we're not actually free. And what's so exciting about it is, oh my God, are you saying to me that there's a feeling good that is beyond anything I ever imagined prior? Yes. Are you saying therefore that there's health that's 
something we haven't even experienced yet, really? Yes. Are you saying that if I am constantly under this, under the vibration, if you will, the, the radiation of a, of a code that's making me feel anxious all the time, that that's affecting my health and that no amount of piecing together a holistic program is going to take care of that and it'll only allow me to feel better than really bad? Yes. And are you saying that if I maybe don't put as much importance on all the external pieces and stop focusing so much on rearranging the the pieces on the chessboard, um, suppressing behavior or aspiring to certain behavior. If I, if I just let the stress go of all of that for a moment, not put so much weight on that, and I just start to focus on every moment, am I moving from a place of reaction under the deep belief that what I'm after is over there. And I just stop that, focus on that for a moment. Are you saying that that's gonna change my health and, and uplift my health more profoundly than anything else? Yes. Are you saying that it doesn't matter what I eat? No, I'm saying it's not the focus. You can eat all the right foods and put it into a, a body that's breaking down because of a consciousness that's under the constant, it's nothing short of despotism. Talk about the, 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 despot, the despotism that's called out in 1776 constitution, the, the, oppress, the oppression, the tyranny. That tyranny is in us, guys, all the time. If you can see what I see and zoom out, then you can see just how desperate the human situation is right now. No matter where you are on the scale of affluence or lack thereof, no matter how much money and success you have, no matter how poor you are, equal opportunity. Suffering is equal opportunity. And there's a lot of activism to create equality and we're, we're making progress statistically in a lot of ways. But if we're just finding equality in a space of suffering, in a space that's inherently unhappy. Are you saying that equal rights to unhappiness? The pursuit of happiness is unhappiness. Equal opportunity, guys, no matter who you are, where you are, freedom to be is what it means to feel good got to see the the real oppressor you got to you got to see the virus you got to denormalize the suffering you got to stop playing the game of denial and trying to convince yourself that everything's fine everything's fine doesn't mean that you, 
what's what, what's got us so nervous ironically is doing that pretending is hell but ironically facing the depth of the crisis is liberation that's activision I really want you to feel good with a capital G. And I want to help you. And I want us to help each other. Because <clears throat> if you can zoom out on an evolutionary scale, we can talk about the medieval times as the dark ages or whatever. And, you know, and even just barely two centuries ago, slavery and and all these awful things and we can look back and be like wow that was terrible i'm so glad we're so advanced right now technological advancement does not mean evolution it's an aspect of it sure it's a it's an evolution in and of itself but what i'm asking you to see and consider if we just zoom out put yourself in 2076 300 year centennial of the united states for example can you imagine what is the equivalent of what we've saw, seen technology do in the last 200 years? What is the equivalent in the level of the human being, the consciousness of the human being, the, the, the life of the human being? I want to, you to consider that we're, we're in the dark ages right now. What will be called the dark ages? When everyone normalized not feeling good, not feeling really good. Try to zoom out a little bit and ask yourself, what does that mean? Because it doesn't matter anymore at this point, technological advances. Now, I'm not saying they don't matter, but it doesn't matter for the, the well-being of mankind and the health uh, of us and, our, and, and, our, and the future for ourselves and our kids and future generations. Technology is not going to be a substitute for what I'm calling out. None of it is worth it if we're not happy, truly happy. So I, I feel that that is a nice little summing up for now. But all of these offerings, all of these podcasts are precisely about this, about coming to true bliss, true happiness, unassailable peace, immunity, freedom life so i hope this helps please come back for more soon would love to see you and uh this is always this is always growing it's always deepening in fact you are witnessing in this one uh a guy just going deeper and deeper into the science and that's what we all ha have the capacity to do it's, it has nothing to do with the level of education or amount of information that you know or anything. Everyone, equal opportunity, sense, sanity, happiness, bliss, peace, well-being is equal opportunity for all. Just as is suffering. So we've played out this suffering thing enough. Time for something new, guys. 
let's let's leave the dark ages. Thanks for coming. <laughs>